What is going on, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of South Burbs Hitman. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Mandel, and I'm joined, as always, by my White Sox brothers in arms. I'm talking about Steven Zim Zimmerman in the Death Star, Vinny Parisi in the Cabinator. What is going on, gentlemen? It is a crazy day for White Sox news. Boy, where do we even begin? Um... Zim is in the Death Star in the darkness. I feel like all White Sox fans are kind of living there right now, especially after the news that we just got. And I'll go ahead and I'll just lead with it here, and then we can discuss. But Vinny's flipping the light on and off. He's living in the darkness, and he's in and out of it. Um, But according to Greg Hins from ChicagoBusiness.com, White Sox owner Jerry Reinsdorf is considering a move out of guaranteed rate field. And there is also chatter amongst team insiders that he may entertain selling the team. But gentlemen, the rumored destination point, if the team is moved, is Nashville. So this isn't the first time Jerry has threatened to move the team. I believe that's the reason they built the dome in Tampa Bay, if I'm not, if I'm, if I'm correct. But uh, where do we even start? Vinny, how does this make you feel? Um, I think I, probably have an idea yeah it makes me feel sick to my freaking stomach joe mandel i hate this conversation um the fact that the white Sox are actually we're doing this again like didn't we go through this once before i wasn't even old enough to remember going through it but i know we went through it um it's just disgusting if the white Sox move and it's not to a suburb of chicago or a different part of chicago and they're no longer the chicago white Sox. I will hate them forever. Yeah. I, I I will despise them. They will be my – when they play the Cubs, I will root for the Cubs. It is not even – it's not even a joke. I 
I'm so like I have such disdain for this team right now because of this season. But like, you know, every team has bad seasons and stretches where the GM sucks or the owner sucks. There's not a team in the league that can't say they haven't gone through what the White Sox are going through right now. Maybe the Yankees, because, you know, if you talk to a Yankee fan right now, they're having equally as bad of a season as the White Sox. And it makes me laugh. Um, But I mean, if they moved, I think I would go full St. Louis Rams fan. Those people hate the Los Angeles Rams. It was a, the hell froze over when they won the Super Bowl two years ago. And I honestly think I would feel the same way. I don't know who my new team would be. Um, I probably would not really lean to one team specifically. I probably would just enjoy baseball. I would root for Zim's Rockies um, for sure. <laughs> I, I like Zim. I enjoy Zim. I would root for his team. Um, I really I listen to a couple Red Sox podcasts, so I would probably root for the Red Sox a fair amount. And then I have a little bit of National League loyalty to the Atlanta Braves from when I had family living in Atlanta. So, you know, they, those have always kind of been the teams I watch and cheer for. Well, the Rockies a little more lately, thanks to Zim. Uh, I won't be a Cubs fan. I won't be a Cardinals fan. I won't be a Brewers fan. None of the local teams intrigue me that much other than the White Sox. But, I mean, this is just disgusting news, and it makes me sick to my stomach. Ooh, the Mar- Ooh, whatever team Jake Berger plays for, too. Ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. I was hoping you'd, you'd follow the trail of crumbs by me putting that up on there. <laughs> uh, that honestly slipped my mind. Uh, yes, absolutely. Whatever team I, Jake Berger plays for. I've already been rooting for the Marlins for the latter half of this season. Like, I'm all in on that hype train. I'm getting ready to uh, reorder some uh, some cards right now. Uh, Jake Berger actually earned a Tops Now card, which is Tops like in season cards that they put out for huge moments throughout the year. But his walk off a couple weeks ago, or last week, I think it was, actually earned him a Tops Now card. Uh, would, so would, I'm going to try to get would, my hands would, on that. Would you like to watch a clip of that walk off? You know, we might as well. Let's, have Let's just do play. it. Why not? Catcher Will Smith. Jake Berger with a fly ball. This one's hit deep. This one's hit back toward the wall. This one is gone. First home. That's not the clip, but hey, it's a home run. We'll take it. <laughs> it is. But yeah, as far as <laughs> the White Sox like moving, I know it's not the first time we've had this conversation. It kind of makes me feel like Jerry's just ready to retire and doesn't really know what to do. But like he doesn't really want to sell the team. He's just like, well, there's no better option. But I mean, who are we to say? You know, that's just what it feels like from the outside looking in, right? I have no mm-hmm. idea. Um, he's talked about the dome before he's talked about relocation before. I mean, Nashville, honestly, it makes a ton of sense for a team that, or for a city that wants a team, right? Like it's a big city. It's a good prime location. It's got tons of tourists, tons of live music. Like the Titans draw to their games being the only thing. I mean, the predators too, you know, being the only sports out there with the Grizzlies being in Memphis, which, I mean, if John Morant wasn't on the team, you'd still be concerned about violence at the games. So you never know what's going to happen out there. So that makes Nashville a lot more intriguing. And top of it, we've heard, you know, Portland wanted a team years ago. Portland, uh, Oregon might actually be a great spot for a team like the White Sox to relocate to. I'm not advocating for it by any means. I'm just saying from a marketing perspective, from a business standpoint, these are places I would immediately look. Um, North Carolina, you know, they've got their minor league team out in Charlotte. We'll put the major league team out there too. Panthers fans show out, you know, we've all seen it. So it's, it's just, you know, that's where my mind immediately went with all this because I'm so far detached from the interest in this team this season that I was like, yeah, from a business standpoint, I could see this working in a lot of different places. Sucks. 
yeah, it's 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 painful. Um, I just let, let's talk about the other part of the equation. Do they? Does Jerry sell the team and all this goes away? Because I, I had a great comment on my Twitter because I retweeted this article um, right before, you know, as soon as I found out the news, right? Um, hang on a second. Let me see if I can find the reply. Yeah, somebody, uh, Al Caro responded to my tweet and he said, the Sox have the third highest income from local television in the majors. They're not giving that up lightly. I highly doubt they'd move to another city, which is, it's a good point, but if you're going to move to another city, Nashville sure sounds pretty good, right? Um, well, same thing as Zim said, North Carolina too. But let's say this all goes out of the equation and Jerry sells the team. I mean, if they sell the team, what are they? I, they're, they got to be staying in Chicago if they sell the team, right? I would think so. Let me be very clear. The Chicago White Sox helped invent the American League. The Chicago Cubs were the Chicago White Stockings before they were the Chicago Cubs. The Chicago White Sox brought baseball. The idea of the White Sox brought baseball to the third largest city in the United States of America. And guess what? Los Angeles is a fake sports town. No, it's not a fake sports town. It's a B-tier sports town. Okay? Like, it's a good sports town. There are other things to do in Chicago. This is Chicago. Okay? Field of Dreams has the White Sox. For Love of the Game has the White Sox. This is a old-school, all-time franchise, and we're talking about them moving to Nashville. Okay? It is just what has become of this team. Jerry Reinsdorf should be ashamed of himself. The fact that this is even a conversation should make Jerry Reinsdorf feel horrible. If he sells, yes, I hope they stay. Of course I hope they stay. I just – I can't believe – that this is even a thing like you're pulling up videos of famous folks wearing um, the White so, Sox hat. It's probably the most, I would say it's the second here, most Vin, common Vin, hat. Vin, real quick, let me, let me interrupt you for one second. This is a documentary the White Sox have coming out called Fitted in Black and the importance of this logo in the rise of hip hop and in the 90s and how it's the one of the most famous logos in history. How I mean, do you sell this team and I'm sorry, how do you relocate this team? Yeah, because they would change their logo. They would change everything. It would be a completely different franchise, at least from the appearance. Like every team that moved in the NHL, which is a common relocation league, they've all completely just changed. The Atlanta Thrashers became the Winnipeg Jets. The Winnipeg Jets became the Arizona Coyotes. The Quebec Nordiques became the Colorado Avalanche. There's There's no like teams just moving and keeping the same brand. And, yeah, what hat is more famous in hip-hop? Maybe the Yankees? Like, you see Ice Cube and Jay-Z wear Yankees hats. But, like, I think you see a Dodgers hat here and there. But, like, I, I remember when Lil Wayne wore a White Sox hat on freaking Saturday Night Live or whatever it was. I'm like, if Young Moolah Baby is wearing a freaking White Sox hat, this something's important here. Something is meaningful here. I, I just I don't get the whole thing. It's disgusting, and I'm going to keep saying that over and over again. I'm probably going to get myself so mad that the little vein starts popping in my head. When yeah. I tell you, it's, it's frustrating as Sox fans to, like, have to go through all this because we know – it's funny to me because like you talk about this, this uh, upcoming documentary and it, you're spot on with how important it is culturally. In addition to all of it, it's hard to imagine it ever going away. You know, I, I don't live in the Chicagoland area. So when I see somebody wearing a Sox hat, I never assume that they're a white Sox fan because I know of its cultural significance more so than it's baseball significance. The problem that lies in all of that, is what's to stop them from selling the branding or even retaining the branding and continuing to mer- make the merchandise while 
moving to a market where they actually don't have to play second fiddle to, you know, somebody 20 miles away. I don't know exactly how far it sure. is, but, but, you know, it, we're talking Something what like that 15, 20 miles. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, they're 120 blocks South or whatever. Like it's ridiculous that they're not that far away and they're second fiddle to that team rather than competing for attention. But we see it in every league or in, in every sport, even, you know, I think the Jets and the Giants are maybe the only two that don't really compete too much in the, or, or rather that where one isn't a little brother to the other, I should say. Right. Um, yeah. The NFL doesn't have a small market like the Jacksonville Jaguars sell out every single game. Right. So it, that's where like, as much as I do see it as like an institution, as like something that truly is culturally relevant, no matter what's going on on the field, um, you know, we still see Montreal Expo stuff being sold. The Nationals just own it, you know, so they profit from all of that. Why wouldn't you? You can retain all of the profits that you're already making from your White Sox hats, your White Sox jerseys. You know, people are still going to go buy Frank Thomas jerseys all day long. You know, e even even if they are fans of this new team. Um, but it would be easy, I think. For them to redo it and uh, just completely uh, undo part of it. Yeah, and you see, you see Chance the Rapper here. That's what threw more... me off. I was like, I know that guy. That's Chance the Rapper, and I was like, <laughs> totally threw me big, off. Sorry, Joe. No, I'm a big White Sox fan. You know, big advocate for this team. Um, I think, and and I think I mentioned this to you guys too when I went to New York. Then the New York. Major League Baseball store in New York, White Sox prominently displayed, and that kind of takes us back to that whole hip hop. And and Foster had a great a great note here uh, in the chat. He said, you know, as a kid in the '70s, you never saw a Sox hat outside of Chicago, but one video changed that hat's entire metrics. And I, I believe that was um, was it what, Ice Cube from NWA, right? Probably. Yep. Well, I, a lot of guys back then, you know. And on top of it, right? You know, we've got. Keanu Reeves movie, somebody that people widely regard as a very good role model, as somebody worth looking up to as a wholesome individual. Why would you want to distance yourself from from somebody like that, culturally speaking? Why would you want to distance yourself from the number one listen to type of uh, genre of music on the planet? Why would you want to distance yourself from any of this? But that's exactly what they would be doing in a possible relocation and rebranding. So, yeah, it's yeah. honestly, it's just something that like the fact that we're like, if you think about it, baseball doesn't have a salary cap, right? That's just a luxury tax. So normally, if you look across all the divisions in sport in baseball, the teams that play in the big city, right? Those are the teams that usually compete for the division title the most. The only one that's kind of an outlier is the AL Central. And the NL East, usually the Braves and the Nationals have dominated that division for most of the last 10 years. The Nationals suck now, but it's the Braves dominating. Atlanta is a big city, but it's not New York or Philly. And I just I look at the AL Central and I'm like, Minnesota, Detroit and Cleveland, they dominate this division every single year. And the White Sox just choose to not participate in any way. Like they should be they should be the Yankees of this division. They should have the financial might. And if you're the B team in Chicago, you're still 
more you're still better off than the A team in every other city besides New York, um, maybe LA for certain, Philly and Boston. So I'm, you know, it's just they they don't do anything right, and I just can't believe that all this time has passed with them being the one huge metropolis in their division. I mean, yep. Detroit's big, Cleveland's fine, the Twin Cities are awesome, but they're not Chicago. And no, Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't take any benefit from it whatsoever. It's honestly crazy to me. Um, I'm disgusted. Yeah, and then for those wondering, this footage I'm showing in the background is from my best friend's wedding, uh, which had a whole scene filmed here at Comiskey Park. Big, prominent White Sox logo, of course, making an appearance here. So uh, the White Sox have had their share of pop culture uh, big time. So just wanted to put this out there. I think personally – Tough, tough, tough to move to another city. Now, what about the silver lining in all of this, though? That Jerry's actually potentially considering selling this team. You know, what for the transition, man? I was trying to find one and you did it for me. I love you. Yeah. I mean, that's the silver lining to all of this, though, is like the reason we're having this discussion is because of that discussion, you know. I, personally, I don't see Jerry moving the team. That's just me. I think he's he's too old. He's too tired, and and I don't say that, you know, as the to to try to drive the wedge between the generations. I simply say, if I was eighty seven years old, I would have no interest in a relocation process of a team. It amazes me that Virginia McCaskey is actually overseeing anything to do with the Bears' potential relocation to Arlington Heights. There's no way she's involved in all of that, right? <laughs> So yeah, no, no way. So that's what I mean with all of that. If if they are going to relocate, it would be under new ownership. But there's also a very good chance that they wouldn't do that under new ownership. It all kind of mm-hmm. depends on who comes in. I mean, we have no idea who interested parties might be right now, but you've got to think of the obvious few, you know, with Jeff Bezos uh, saying that he's been wanting to buy a professional sports team. Magic Johnson seems to be buying stock in every league that he can get his hands in right now. I could see um, that. I could absolutely see him being part of an ownership group. Uh, I've heard uh, Tom Brady's expressed interest in owning parts of sports teams as well. Um he just and announced then, one know, last week. Uh, he bought a partial owner of a soccer team. Right. He owns par- partial ownership in a soccer team. He owns a pickleball team. He owns um, – those are the two I can remember off the top of my head, but I know he's invested in more leagues than just that. Uh, but at any rate, I would have to imagine that new ownership would mean incredible change for the White Sox. What do you guys think? If somebody came in – bought this team, Vinny, you think it would be somebody with money to, 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 like you say, elevate this squad to the Yankees of the AL Central? I would hope so. I'm looking right now. I know the owner of the Devils, Harrison Blitzer uh, Sports and Entertainment, um, Josh Harrison, David Blitzer, they own the Devils and the 76ers. And they were going to branch out and do the Guardians, I think. And something fell through with that. There was something where they had like a minority stake in the um, the Pirates, I think, too. But I would just love if they full-blown bought the White Sox. Because since taking over the Devils, the Devils were supposed to move, too. They were moving after 2013. And these guys buy it, and all of a sudden... They rebuild and they tear it down and they they suck for a while. People hated them at first and now they are where they are. And it's like, well, actually, they turned out to be pretty good owners. If that uh, if a corporation like that, I believe they have a stake in Fanatics, 
if I remember correctly. Um, I'm not able to read the whole thing about their biography right now. But, I mean, if those two guys got involved, somebody like that, where it's like an entertainment group where like two individual, two billionaires together own the team, I think that's a great way for things to kind of turn around. Even the 76ers, they haven't really been able to get over the hump like deep in the playoffs. They're kind of becoming like what the Dodgers were before they finally won the World Series. They're just that team that gets really far and then always finds a way to lose in the conference finals the or Chargers. whatever. But Yeah, the Chargers. But they're always great. They're always great. I I would rather the White Sox lose 10 straight ALCSs than relocate. So, I mean, someone like that. That's where I'm looking at. If it's a corporation like that, I'm not saying Josh Harris and David Blitzer specifically, but owners like that who have kind of like a young, refreshing – type of philosophy to purchase the team and take advantage of the fact that this is freaking Chicago, man. This is the Chicago White Sox with shoeless Joe Jackson. And you play in the town where Michael Jordan played and Walter Payton and Dick Buckus. And I mean, the list of Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, Connor Bedard's about to come to town and take over. Like you want to be a part of that. If you're the White Sox, I, it just makes no sense to me. I can't believe that. I think I've said it like five times. I can't believe that this is a thing, but it's just, it's crazy to me. I would love Jeff Bezos to buy That'd the White cool. Sox. Uh, one, because I'm pretty sure I f- fully am responsible for his fortune of supporting Amazon uh, directly to my house since I was like 15. <laughs> that's why, that's why Jeff Bezos is so rich though, Joe, because every person believes that Says they're that. the ones yeah funding his bank account <laughs> he thinks it's funny look he's laughing uh. <laughs> can, can we go down that rabbit hole for a second here though imagine jeff bezos buys the white Sox. we get amazon stadium in chicago you got like drones bringing beer to your seats like you don't ever have to get up for anything in the stadium everything's operated through an app on your phone i was at the rockies game on tuesday right they got one of those walk through like grab and go things you just just swipe your credit card at the beginning you go through they got cameras all set up and you just take whatever you want and then it charges you the next day or whatever like it's so convenient i was in and out of there there was no line i didn't miss any action i did it between innings and i literally only did it because i was like there's a line at that stand line at that stand line oh the grab and go thing's wide open let's just roll right through i mean that's cool it, it was know, amazing well, the technology that could come into the stadium if he were to buy the the team tell you i don't know if people just don't know it doesn't exist or if they don't trust it or whatever but they have it at the united center too and it is so convenient you literally walk in and you grab whatever you want, and somehow it knows exactly what you took. And oh yeah, bring that to Guaranteed Rayfield, please. Yeah, but even I, more so, the, the, the instant delivery right to your seat. Imagine having just like a little, you know, oh hey, uh, I need to order something from my seat. Oh look at that, my armrest is an ordering device. Like, yeah, now they know exactly where I'm sitting. They've already charged my card, and somebody's just going to bring it to me. I mean, I'm sure the suites already have something like that, but imagine implementing that stadium wide because if anybody's got the logistical knowledge to do it, it's Amazon. Absolutely. And you probably figure if a guy like Bezos took over and Amazon was in charge of everything related to the team, business ops wise, it probably wouldn't, on opening day, you probably wouldn't get to your seat. You know, you probably wouldn't have to wait till the third inning to get to your seat on a day like opening day. Or if, you know, there's Lucas Giolito 
X-Wing fighter bobblehead day in the stadiums going banana lands for White Sox Star Wars day. Yep, Joe's got to turn around and grab it. Yep. <laughs> that cracks just... me up. That cracks me up. But, yeah, like the fact that you don't get to your seat. Joe, did you get to your seat pre-third inning that day? I bet not. I, I didn't even go to the game that day, Vin. No, there you go. You're a smart man. You're I got it on eBay. Man. You're a smart but now, man. The, on the downside, imagine they implement this technology so that, you know, I know back when uh, COVID was a thing and I don't think it's still happening now, but they had it so that like, if you were in the 500 levels, you could not go on the 100 level concourse at all. That is and, like, imagine the them. That is still the case. Yeah, yeah. Imagine them implementing technology to like actually enforce that though. Like you just, you start walking around on the 100 level and there's just a couple of goons behind you. Like, they enforce it on the weekends. They don't enforce it so much on the weekdays, but man. Yeah. They make you scan yeah. your tickets everywhere on the weekends. It's really annoying. And maybe you wouldn't have to scan your ticket if, if they'd have some technology they would just know. That's true. That'd be kind of cool. You, if, if you're watching Jeff Bezos, which you're not, but if you were, <laughs> please buy the White Sox. I'll, I'll continue to mortgage my house on Amazon. Could I you mean, imagine. Go ahead, Vinny. <laughs> I was kidding, by the way. I was just going to say, like, the way this team is and the way they treat the people at Guaranteed Rayfield, too, my girlfriend loves Dippin' Dots, right? And I get down with some Dippin' Dots every now and again, too, especially if it's hot out. They went from having probably the best Dippin' Dots at a major league stadium that I've ever been to, where it was like they were clearly fresh. You still pay $9, and it's like a little peel pre-done one, and they're just not the same. And I know that's like such a stupid thing to complain about, but like even when the game is over and these people are shooing me out, the second the 27th out is recorded, like we're trying to take a picture in front of the stands, and I'm over here like, you're really – I paid how much for my ticket, and you're going to shoo me out the second the game ends where I can't take a picture? And you can't even put together a roster that wins 60 games before they lose 80? Like, are you kidding me right now? Like, the fact that that's even a thing, if I were Jerry Reinsdorf, I would tell his staff to treat the fans like gold because the ones that come in like me and Joe and Zim are fools. And, you know, I'm going on Saturday because it's Dylan C's bobblehead night. We have a big family tailgate that are going. I'm going to see Joe Mandel for the first time in over a year. Uh, and, you know, it's great times. That's what being a White Sox fan is all about. And Jerry Reinsdorf just doesn't care. We're all part of the cesspool, Ben. Mm, I ooh, I hate him too. Don't even get me started on that asshole, Rick Hahn. That's the wonderful segue. That's where that's where I was about to go. You guys are making it all work for me today, guys. I love it. You're doing my transitions for me. But uh, there was also some news this week, which is originally what this show was going to be talking about before the big news hit today. But we can thank the White Sox for one thing, and that's having new nuggets of news on the day of our show. So thank you for that nugget. Thanks, I think Chicago business, uh, I guess, instead. But the original thing is that the White Sox, the report came out from our buddy, um, what, Bob Nightingale, right? That the White Sox are holding internal interviews in regards to making a big change in terms of managerial changes, in terms of front office. So you imagine that has to do with of course, Pedro and uh, our buddy Rick Hahn. 
so that was kind of a bit of a news flash yesterday. The White Sox downplayed it a bit today, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But immediate reaction on that, Zim, when you saw that news come through yesterday night. I didn't see that news come through. I have been so checked out on this team for the last two weeks. I'm not even going to lie, man. Um, I don't know. It is what it is at this point. Like, I don't get too high. I don't get too low on a whole lot of this stuff right now. It's just not worth it. I, I'm I'm honestly, I'm looking forward to the offseason so much to see, you know, who stays, who goes, how this thing gets retooled. Um, it's it, it, it sucks when guys go down, but like of all years to go down, at least at least nobody's missing anything. Yeah. Like it's it's so it's it's such a, a cynical way to look at all of it, but but that's just that's the point that I'm at this season. I, I tried watching a few games this week and I just I couldn't do it. Well, there's probably a good reason for that. <laughs> we your hometown uh Colorado Rockies mopped the floor with the White Sox. Yes. Yeah, they did. It was it was nice to see them the Sox that is jump on Kyle Freeland. Um, because last time they faced against, uh, they faced off against Kyle Freeland. He nearly no hit them. So I thought, Hey, maybe, maybe something will happen in this game. And then they, they, they got smacked. Um, so sounds about right. Yeah. Seven and uh, seven losses out of their last 10 games is, uh, not great, especially when no. you're playing, let's One see, who did they teams. play? The Rockies, the Cubs, the Brewers. The Yankees, yeah, these are teams. Good. I actually these found are teams that you should not be losing that much to. Yeah, so you guys actually found live footage uh of the Chicago White Sox, like their progression over the last week and a half. If I can real quick pull this up. Oh, there they go. <laughs> <laughs> eh, at least one of them laughed. It's, all right. it's a demolition <laughs> of a casino. I uh had to find something. I had to pull a joke out of my pocket somewhere. So there you go. I want to ask you guys this. So Nightingale reports that the White Sox are going to have internal discussions to see if they need to make change at the end of the season. I believe Nightingale. He's usually right with the White Sox. I was told to trust Nightingale. Um, But also... Do you think in a year that they go 162, they wouldn't at the end of the season have meetings to evaluate things for the future? You think that's something they only do this year? You don't think at the end of last year, Rick Hahn had a conversation with Kenny Williams and that Kenny Williams had a conversation with Jerry Reinsdorf? Oh, absolutely. Like, of course they do. Every well, that's... single year. And that's what the White Sox came out and said today. Vinny is like literally like setting up every one of my topics today. The White Sox came out and they downplayed it and said that these kind of interviews happen every underperforming season where they have these conversations mid-year. And it certainly just sounds like a lot of, you know, just filler I, and a lot of I distraction. Don't I don't buy it for one second either, but, you know, they're trying to do a distraction, but. Uh, and the biggest news, Han having one year left on his deal. That's probably accurate for yes. Nightingale. He should be worried if that's the case. He really should be. Um, I just, I don't buy it. Like 
in in a season that ends on October 1st, you're telling me you're just checking in on August 20th? Like you're full of shit. <laughs> so 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 Matthew says so every season, and I'm like, right. absolutely. Literally. There's no way. There's no way. That's like that's like me like playing video games all day at work, and my boss is like, hey, I need this report by five o'clock, and I'm like, yeah, for sure, I got you, and like. I come back from lunch and she's like, I need to see you in my office. It's like, Oh, you, you know, I've been playing video games all day. Don't you? It's, it's not like she, your boss doesn't wait until you, if, if there's a problem and you don't follow through on your end of it, but your boss doesn't know that there's a problem. Well, they're not going to have that conversation until four 30 when they're like, Hey, this is supposed to be on my desk in 30 minutes. What have you been doing all day? They're not going to have that conversation at one o'clock in the afternoon unless they know there's a reason to have a conversation at one o'clock in the afternoon. So I, maybe that's not the best analogy there, but like it metaphor. I don't know what, it, whatever it is. I was an English major. I wasn't, but <laughs> mm, got to love Rick, man. And then by love him, I mean, we all kind of slowly starting to hate him bit by bit. Uh, the way he, he, he talks to the like media, he know what he's doing. He looks frazzled every time you see him now. This is when they were talking to him about Kenya Middleton's comment or Keenan Middleton's comments. And the guy just looks like he's on his way out. He looks like he's talking through his teeth. He looks like me when I'm like trying to come up with some sort of excuse for something. <laughs> he's like, uh, just, he doesn't look sure of himself. He doesn't look confident because obviously he's not. And it looks like he's feeling the pressure. So these interviews are clearly got something to do with that. Uh, and of course, it sounds like Pedro may be on the chopping block as well, be one and done. Let me ask you about that, Vin. What are your thoughts on Pedro being one and done? Um, he should be one and done, but not necessarily his fault, right? Like, yeah, he's not that good of a manager, but it's not his fault that he's not that good of a manager. He was a bench coach for the Kansas City Royals. What is he going to do? Turn down the millions that they offered him to be the manager? Like, of course not. Um, he wasn't left with you know, much help the the culture that was left behind, clearly something that he wasn't capable of fixing. Um, you know, it is what it is. It, it's not that big of a deal to fire a coach like um, Pedro Grafal with two years left on his deal after this year, because like, it's not like he's making a break the break the bank money as a first time manager. So, you know, it's not like you're paying him 15 million to, you know, go man, go be somewhere else. That's just not how it's going to be. But um, I honestly think his fate will depend on the state of the organization. If they can Rick Hahn, then Pedro Grafal is going to be gone. But if Hahn stays another year, wouldn't shock me at all if Grafal is the coach next year. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I haven't been the biggest fan. But, I mean, at the same time, you know, the guys before him weren't much better. You sure. know? And, and great comment here from Matthew Lucas as well. They don't know how to talk to Sox fans. We're cranky and wise. Don't talk down to us like we're Kansas City fans, LOL. It's a good point. That is a good point. I mean, he called Twitter a cesspool, which he calls Twitter a cesspool. You know what that means? He's on Twitter a lot. That's oh, all sure. that tells me. He Googles his name. And if he Googles his name, I know for a fact he's come across our tweets. Um, you know, I just, I know it. And yeah. it's just one of those things where it's like, dude, shut up. You've won two playoff games in 10 years as the GM. Uh, every other GM in every other sport would have got canned by now. Think of another GM who's been as 
fortunate to stick around while their team stinks this bad. I mean, it just does not happen. And would I, I mean, love for and, them to bring in Theo? Of course sure. I would. That's just not going to happen, though. It's not going to happen. And, and I mean, let me give you an example. Yankee fans are calling for Brian Cashman's head, and they've been good. I mean, you know what I mean? Not this year. So I want to take my comments back. But the, the fact that they're sick of them and, and how we're con continue to get by, it blows my mind. You know, I cracked a joke about the Yankee fans earlier and, you know, with the, what they say and compared to White Sox. But it kind of goes back to, like, Matthew's comment about KC fans. There's a different standard in New York. Like, mm-hmm. they, they, they're saying the same thing. They're saying – we're not Royals fans. We're not White Sox fans. We don't tolerate this. Brian Cashman, you have the second highest payroll in all of baseball, and the team stinks. That is unacceptable. And, Eight-game losing streak for the first time since 1995. Yeah, and, and Cashman, yeah, the teams have been good, but they never got over the hump. They couldn't beat the Astros. They couldn't beat the Red Sox. You know, in 18, 19, 20, I think who, who, did they have a big series loss to somebody else. Pretty much it's those two teams that have kind of dominated them in the playoffs over the last – however many years, but I mean, it, it's just crazy to me that people are like, I, you know, and I'm cracking jokes about the Yankee fans too. They're going to probably still be over 500 and they play in a really hard division. But like, I think it's the same thing as Matthew's comment. Like, Hey, we're not white Sox fans. There's no lovable losers over here. There's no, we're still coming to the stadium. Uh, you know, the Yankees, they're, they're not your dad's Yankees. Things are different no. since the ownership yeah. change with George Steinbrenner, and now it's Hal Steinbrenner. Like, it's not the same old Yankees, but, you know, their standard is just so much different. They're, they know that they have the financial might, and guess what? They're going to give Shohei Otani an offer. They went out and got Carlos Rodon last year. He's been injured for most of the year, but he was probably the top arm on the market last and year. Brutal. <laughs> yeah, and like they go out, but if someone comes in as brutal, they get rid of them, pay their dues, accept their losses, and move on. The White Sox don't do that. Now, do the Yankees probably wish they got one of Harper or Machado? Yeah, they didn't trade for Francisco Lindor. The Mets got all the guys the Yankees wanted for the first time ever, but – they're, you know, they're still going to be a contending team every year, right? Like, it's just one of those things, like, this is a bad year for them. Aaron Judge has been mostly hurt. You knew he wasn't going to repeat the 62 home run season. I'm just like, ah, I wish the White Sox had that kind of standard really bad. Yeah, and they don't. And this is becoming the rip on the White Sox show, but you know what? <clears throat> and after all that, we still want them to stay in Chicago. Um <clears throat> Hopefully with a new owner, Jeff Bezos. Come on, somebody, Magic Johnson, anybody. Jeff Bezos, I'll give you, a, I'll give you a big smooch, right in that bald head of yours, like Mister Clean, literally. <clears throat> and but yeah, uh, we we want him to stay in Chicago because, I mean, that that's they're our team, they're our boys. We want to see them succeed in Chicago. Is the thing we're tired of watching them flounder and fail and accidentally run into a good team every fifteen years or so. We want to see this team compete. We we want to see a better standard. Like that's why it's becoming the rip on the White Sox show. Is because for yep. the first time since we've been on the air, at least, this team is really floundering and starting to suck again. And like it's really frustrating to keep going through this cycle. <laughs> yeah. But like we go through this cycle over and over and over again. You know, it's this like like I just said, it's this 15-year cycle or so. You know, it's sometimes a little less, sometimes a little more. You know, there's always fluctuations, but but you know. 
They get really, really, they, they get a good player. They get really, really good. They go on, they, they win a, a, a division title or a world series, you know, once, but I mean, they don't win as the, as the biggest problem when they do succeed, even. They've won mm-hmm. three playoff series in the last hundred years. And those were all on that world series run in 2005. Thanks Vinny for that stat. <laughs> <laughs> that, tweet, that tweet did numbers. <laughs> that it was, a, it was a great tweet. It was a great tweet, man. Cause I didn't actually know that, but yeah, Crazy. I mean, this team sucks like historically and Jerry hasn't done a damn thing to fix it. And that's like why we're all frustrated. We've been, saying for decades that he plays for second place we've been saying it on this show consistently for weeks so it's just we we want better like how hard is it to like pick the team that you're going to root for you know as we all do arbitrarily at whatever point in time we all say i'm going to root for this team in this sport and like why is it so hard to ask for that team to occasionally be good zim are you getting the reference to what i'm doing in the background right now (laughs) Yeah, because we're having the same conversation over and over and over and over and over. Okay. For those of you who are listening to the podcast, I'm playing the trailer for Groundhog Day in the background. So (laughs) just wanted to put that out there for everybody. That's funny. I mean, the the playoff stat about 105 years, that blew my mind when I realized it. And then I'm like, if they didn't draft Michael Jordan in the 80s, the Bulls, he he would have one lucky championship and like but the funny thing is he is the winningest manager in the history of mankind or winningest owner in the history of mankind how's that for a new owner of the white Sox? who oh michael jordan uh i, take I don't it think over he has there. any interest in it anymore no he doesn't but that's why I he just, sold the hornets yeah i just didn't love how he handled the hornets that's my thing yeah, I would just in terms of poetic justice. Oh yeah, that. for sure. It yeah, cool. it would be cool. They'd but I'd, I'd rather have Jeff Bezos. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, what about Mark Cuban? Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like Mark Cuban. I just think him. He hates Manfred, and he's like made it really clear that he hates Manfred. He tried to buy. I forget Aren't what team all? he tried to buy. Was it the Guardians? He tried to buy. They were the Indians at the time. I, I want to say he tried to buy an MLB team, and he got told to f off by. I don't think him and Manfred get along, but you know, I'm not sure that Mark Cuban's the easiest guy to get along with at all times, but also like Rob Manfred sucks. Yeah, he does big time. Well, we talked about a lot of white Sox stuff, guys. I, I do we, do we want to still hang on white Sox, Vinny? I know we had some stuff that, that might be happening. Is that happening? Honestly, I'm mad. You know how I get when these types of things happen. Um, yeah. so it's all right. We can talk about other stuff. I, I had something I wanted to bring up. It's a bit of a rumor, but I figured we could discuss it because it's not baseball related. It's football related. Um, we'll change gears here for a second. Matthew brought up the Chicago Bears in a comment. A little bit of Bears speculation. It's not really news. It's kind of a rumor floating around the social medias. Uh, and again, I don't know how true it is, but there's rumors floating around that Stefan Diggs is not happy in Buffalo. Now, if there's smoke, there's fire, right? And it's there's been issues all off season. Apparently, him and his Matt, him and his agent have proposed a list of three teams, which he would like to trade to be traded to or to play for: uh, the Dallas Cowboys, 
the 49ers, or the Chicago Bears. Again, it's speculation, it's rumors flying around the internet. But like I said, usually where there's smoke, there's some sort of fire. Regardless if it's true or not, for the purpose of this conversation and all the people watching on Twitter, I know there's a bunch of you guys. So first off, thank you for tuning tuning in. Uh, And secondly, what does it take to get Stephon Diggs on the Chicago Bears? Can they do it for not a first rounder? I don't think it's possible. Zim, you want to take it first? Uh, I don't, st- there's no chance. <laughs> this is the Russell Wilson crap all over again. It's, um, it's speculation. It's negotiating tactics. It's okay. Stefan Diggs' biggest thing in all of these rumors has been that he wants to go to a winning culture. You know, he came from Minnesota. He went to Buffalo, two teams that just can never seal the deal. He really thought that Buffalo, that he might be the piece to help Buffalo get over that edge. And it looked for a minute like he was. And they've just been on this run of going really far and doing nothing. It kind of seems like they still need one more piece, maybe. Why the hell would he go to Chicago? If that's the case, not only, not only is that already a stacked wide receiver room in terms of what you can consider stacked in the modern NFL, right? It's not the Seattle Seahawks wide receiver room by any means, but it's much better than a lot of teams wide receiver rooms. They have a legitimate number one, a legitimate number two, and a legitimate number three. These are guys that no matter what team you put them on in the NFL, you would say DJ Moore is number one on that team. Darnell Mooney is number two on that team. Chase Claypool is number three on that team. I don't think Let, let me be any- devil's advocate for you, Zim. Do you include a Chase Claypool? Do you include a Darnell Mooney in a deal? I mean, you could, considering they're both on the last year of their deals. Um, but... I mean, do you really want to go trade uh, one of the one of your first round picks? You know, I guess if you think you're going to compete, you could trade your own first round pick. But I mean, there's no guarantee you're going to compete. Still, better to play it safe than sorry. If there's anything we've learned from Ryan Poles, it's that he's much more conservative and much more uh, safe, so to say, than Ryan Pace ever was. Right. I don't see him mortgaging a first round pick for a guy like that. So we're talking a second round pick. What players do you have to include to get that done? Right. I just don't see it happening. And we're getting a couple of great comments here. PZ says great player, but who wants a diva wide receiver trying to make a power play? And then Matthew says, I don't think messing with team chemistry is a great point is at this point is a great idea. And all, all, all great comments Uh, strictly just having the conversation, just to have the conversation. Vinny Parisi, where do you land on it? Um, if those are his three teams, I'm going to ask if he like watches the NFL. Like, do you watch football? <laughs> like Dallas sucks. I, I've never been high on Dak Prescott. Not that hey. I have anything against Dak Prescott. Hey, 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 Gronkowski, Rob Gronkowski picked the Cowboys. If he was a betting man to win the Super Bowl today. Okay, and Gronk, That's fantastic. And Good Gronk, for him. Gronk is probably <laughs> my second favorite player in NFL history. I would go Tom Gronk, my two favorite players ever. But Gronk's an idiot. There's <laughs> no like nobody ever took Gronk as like the intelligent guy. He's the big right. strong. He's like the Hulk. He's a, he was on Hulk. 
Yeah, like exactly. He basically is Peter Griffin reincarnated, but like younger, stronger, sexier. You know, he's making 69 jokes at the podium with like hot female reporters in the front row. And he laughs when the Buffalo Bills fans throw a dildo on the field. Like this is the guy we're talking about, Rob Gronkowski. Love the guy. Absolutely love him. Would love to drink a beer with him. His Super Bowl prediction means jack poop to me. I think the Cowboys stink. Dak Prescott is... Dak Prescott would be the fourth best quarterback in the NFC North. The only one I would rank lower than him would be um, Love. I truly think Fields, Cousins, and Goff are all better than Dak. Um, The Cowboys stink. The 49ers are an elite team. But, like, who's going to be throwing Stephon Diggs the football? Brock Purdy? Um, Trey Lance? Uh, there's it won't be Lance, that's for sure. Guy. Who's the third? It guy? won't there's be Lance, even guy. if he's throwing the ball two digs, it won't get there. Yeah, and oh, don't they have? <laughs> don't they have Darnold now too? They have. Darnold. They do have yeah, Darnold. Sam Darnold. So, like, you know, they're going to be a great team. I think they're the second best team in the NFC. I think they could win a Super Bowl with one of those guys. But if you're Digs, you want to make big plays. You want to be the center of like an outstanding offense. Like, if someone asked me, "Hey, Vinny." You're this elite wide receiver. What three teams do you want to put on your trade list? Uh, please put me on the Kansas City Chiefs um, or the uh, Cincinnati Bengals or, you know, or the Buffalo Bills. But, you know, if it's not the Buffalo Bills because I'm on the Buffalo Bills and I'm not happy, uh, how about the Baltimore Ravens? Or can I please go to the Jacksonville Jaguars? Not freaking the Bears. How about the Jets where all these guys seem to want to go? Literally, right literally. Like. It's true. It's true. I, I, you know, and then the Bears. The Bears had the worst record in the NFL last season. Like, I know we all think they're going to be better. They might even be a playoff team because the NFC is stinky. But, like, if you're, if you're, uh, um, Diggs, you're looking at the team who came in last last year and you're like, that's the team I want to go to if I want to win the Super Bowl. We'd all be happy if the Bears made the playoffs this season. That'd be great. Or even if they competed for the playoffs and maybe fell a game or two short by week 18. I'd be thrilled if that were the case this year because you really can't expect to jump up too much in the, like, if you had three wins last year, if you win 10, that means you had a seven win improvement. That's very hard. And yep. if you're Diggs and you're like mid near the end of your prime, um, you want to go to a Super Bowl contender. So I just uh, his three teams just make no sense to me. That's why I think there's really not that much of a chance that the Bears end up coming to fruition. Yep, and it's an interesting conversation. Just figured we'd bring it up. And there was other another big news in terms of someone requesting a trade. The Indianapolis Colts granted permission to star running back Jonathan Taylor to seek out a trade. Uh Again, I, I, I don't see this being a fit for the Bears. There's a lot of other teams that are a better fit. But since it's a big sports news item from today, I figured we could at least discuss it. Where does Jonathan Taylor land? Because it sure doesn't seem like he's playing a single down for the Colts this season. Whatever conversation he had with Jim Ursay uh, clearly soured the relationship. I don't know where he's going to go, but I, I sure to hell hope it's not Chicago. Yeah, that would be tough. I mean, would I like Jonathan Taylor on the Bears? Yeah, but I wouldn't give up that kind of package for him. That's the um, problem, right? You know, I like Roshan Johnson. It was funny. I went on Aldo's show the day of the draft, the day before the draft, and I was like, Roshan Johnson, the kid from Texas. If 
um, B. John Robinson wasn't at Texas, he would probably be considered like a top two round guy. Like he's got super talent, but he was on the same team as the best running back in the country. You could argue he's a top five running back in the country as well. He just get, didn't get to show it too well. And the Bears got him. And I was like super happy. That was like one of my favorite draft picks of any team, I think. And, you know, the Packers could have made that pick, and I would have been like, damn, that's a really good pick for the Packers. And the Bears ended up with him. So you got him and Khalil Herbert. I'm like, the Bears running game is going to be heavily reliant on those two guys and then what Justin Fields can do. And it's about improving the offense in the passing game. So I'm not necessarily sure, at least in my opinion, that Taylor would be a good idea for the Bears if they're giving up all that. For sure. And PZ makes a comment, Vikings question mark. And that could affect the Bears in one way or another, of course, especially if he lands in their division. Uh, could definitely be a potential Delvin Cook replacement uh, in Minnesota if all falls the correct way, or hopefully not for our sake. But but why would you cut Delvin Cook and then trade for Jonathan Taylor? That's my only younger, younger, not as expensive, younger, not as injury That's prone. True. Very true. Um, you know, and they do still have their their first and second round picks available to them, unlike. Uh, the Packers do, unlike, I, I, I don't think, do the Lions get theirs finally back this year? No, they've had theirs. Never mind. I, I was lopsided on that. My mistake. Um, but the Vikings do actually have a first-round pick, which they didn't at one point in time, thanks to some trade or another. I don't remember. At any rate. There's no uh, way there's a first-rounder involved, by the way. I don't see any that's way. It. That, there's no way. That. The asking price. See, and this is what honestly blows me away, right? You sit there and you tell this guy, you're not worth top money. And then you sit there and tell all the other teams, we want your top draft pick for this guy. Like, that's not how this game works. (laughs) You don't get to do that. And even worse for Jim Ursay, he spends millions and millions of dollars to move an endangered whale across the country, and then it dies. Instead, instead of paying your all your 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 whatever all star all pro running back, you're gonna try to save a whale and then end up killing it. Congrats. Yeah, as far as the Jonathan Taylor thing goes, I mean, put him on the Jets too. Screw it, everybody can go to the Jets. I don't care. They're not gonna be any good. Aaron Rodgers is a choker when it comes down to it. He's not gonna win shit there, no matter what happens. I don't care what you do. He's not winning. Uh. As far as like what kind of team he could go to, I honestly, I have no idea. Who cares? Like, he's probably not going to win. No team that trades for a running back ever goes anywhere. Like, I mean, I guess you can point at the 49ers, but like they lost still. Like, who? what, what trade for a running back has ever worked out? You know, I, there's not been a lot. No, I think the only old running back, and Jonathan Taylor is not old, but the only like seasoned running back that was able to just keep switching teams and consistently be good was Frank Gore. Everybody else kind of like started the to ageless stink. wonder. Yeah, everybody else just kind of started to stink once they switched teams. So I'm I'm with Zim. Although I do want to say, I'm backing out of the New York Jets argument here. I want I want all season. I want Zim on the side of they suck, and I want Joe on the side of they're good, and I'm gonna be right there in the middle. Because after watching great. Hard Knocks, I gotta say I feel much. I feel even better about my thoughts about them being very good this year. Oh, 
wow. Hell yeah. <laughs> this is going to be great. I can't wait to see how it all shakes out. So what's this? We're not live on YouTube. What's going on? Nope. It looks like our stream is suspended for policy violations. So we are probably now on audio only. Wow. I don't know why we rebooted. Could it be clips from the movie? I did less than 30 seconds for everything. Hmm, I have no idea. Oh, I'm sure we'll find out. I did a lot of sports clips on this episode. But so. Sugar Not just posted a comment at 8.57. Oh, PZ says back on. All right. Our chat is still live, and that's what's important. So Absolutely. At any rate, um, sorry, I was trying to look up some notable trades for running backs. Uh, I saw a list. Work, the show's live for me, Zim, so. Yeah, we should be fine. Um, I, I'm just trying to see if I can find this list again. But, you know, some notable running backs that have been traded over the past few years. We had, I know there was, I mean, the last one that fetched a first rounder was Trent Richardson. And we all know how that worked out. So I don't think anybody's throwing a first rounder out that for anybody. We had the Christian McCaffrey trade last year, right? That netted a second, a fourth, and a fifth, if I remember right. We had... Man, I wish I could find this list that I found earlier. Uh, but but basically, like, none of these guys. We had the David Johnson trade. Um, so we got. I'm now I'm now coming up with just names, but David Johnson, Christian McCaffrey, um, and Trent Richardson. I mean, none of those guys have really done much. Uh, I mean, McCaffrey, sure he's good, but he's not nearly as good when Elijah Mitchell is healthy. They were, they're still running running back by committee, even with Christian McCaffrey in there. So I think my point stands that like, it doesn't really matter where Jonathan Taylor goes, unless he goes to an already loaded team, he's not going to win anything. And he's not going to go to an already loaded team because loaded teams don't have the assets to give up to acquire a player like Jonathan Taylor. So where's he going to end up? He's not going to Jacksonville, right? They love Travis Etienne down there, right? And he's take not, Bigby. That's fair. That's fair. He's not going to Chicago. They've already got five running backs and having trouble trying to narrow that down. I saw uh, a suggestion earlier from a Colts uh, beat writer, by the way. I just want to throw that out there. But a Colts game uh, beat writer suggested a first round, uh, Carolina's first round pick and Roshan Johnson for Jonathan Taylor, which to me would be absolutely criminal. You're trading a potential top five pick with your future starting running back for a guy that you're going to have to pay $17 million a year to when you have to pay your own quarterback in two years, it's not happening. Um, I don't see any way the bears are involved in this trade. And regardless of any of it, I, I just, I don't see it working out for whoever does trade for him, right? Unless he goes to a team that's just got like an absolutely yoked offensive line. And like who out there has a really good offensive line, but doesn't already have a good running back. Can you guys name anybody? Cause I can't really think of anybody pretty sure that's half the reason why Tony Pollard is even an option in Dallas. And they were able to let Zeke Elliott go. Who takes the majority of the carries in Kansas city? Isaiah Pacheco. That's right. I, a seventh round draft pick, mind you, that they don't have to pay for another three years who cannot hold out on his rookie deal. If he does hold out, he forfeits his contract. Yeah, that's crazy. That's why I always just look, what are, what are the Chiefs doing? That's the team I want to emulate. 
They've also got That's... Jarek McKinnon behind him and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who was phenomenal as a rookie, yeah. is now basically a bubble player for them because of how they run their running backs room. You guys are leaving one equation, one bit out of the equation, and that's that Jonathan Taylor is a phenomenal receiver. Could a team bring him on and use him as a backfield receiver and more so than a running back? They just did that with out in, out in San Francisco with Christian McCaffrey. Did it work out? Well, sure. Like I said, it worked out fine. But it's still a running back by committee. The only reason they have that luxury is because they have two guys on rookie contracts as a quarterback and a third guy that's making, you know, peanuts because he's fizzled out in two other places already. Mm-hmm. You know, what other team has that kind of luxury right now? Seattle? Look, they just drafted a running back. And oh, by the way, they have two other guys they really like. Yeah. It's a good conversation. You know, it's all fun stuff and figured we'd talk it on. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I love Quan Alexander. Quan Alexander got fined for playing football. It's going to happen all season long, unfortunately. Tyreek Stevenson got flagged two weeks ago for playing football. It just, that's the modern NFL. You're not allowed to touch guys too hard. That's right. So, I mean, See, <laughs> we've made it abundantly clear. Like, maybe not we. But, like, the league has made it abundantly clear what's allowable and what's not in the NFL. You know? I mean, did Mike Vick even get suspended? Or did he just go to jail and then get reinstated? And they said that was his suspension. You know? For years, we've been talking about all this kind of stuff. We we know what's allowable and what's not. It's You're allowed to do whatever you want off the field as long as you're a good player on the field. And as long as you don't hit any quarterback that anybody likes a little too hard. That's Even though I'm, I think Quan Alexander was a hit on a wide receiver or running back, if I remember right. But but regardless, like, yeah. And when I mean, it's every year, man. You're gonna find stuff like this every single season, and it's unfortunate, but it's the way of the new NFL. Yeah, but ever since we've... that Cassius Marsh fine last year, like I've, mm-hmm. I, I. I I, I can't get worked up about penalties anymore, or you'll be getting worked up about every other play, every other flag that's thrown. You know, the, the only penalties I'll get mad about anymore are the ones while I'm watching the Bears game. <laughs> and, you know, that's as soon right. as it's over, as soon as it's over, I let it all go anymore. It's not worth holding on to. It, it, it sucks, but that's just the product that we're being fed anymore, you know? And it's, it's, it's a problem across all sports as far as I'm concerned. Hockey it might really be the is. best of the group as far as it goes. But I mean, there's still some really questionable charging calls that have been thrown here and there. There's some really questionable boarding calls for sure. I mean, boarding is probably the most iffy call I see regularly in the NHL. And I'm like, I don't really know about that one. Like my biggest mm-hmm. issue with NHL refereeing is inconsistency with slashing and then goals and offsides and reviewing yeah. stuff and still getting it wrong. Like, Offsides is a nightmare in the modern NHL because these guys are just so fast. It is. And they, they change the rule too, where you're, it's kind of like a touchdown where like, you know, how you, in order to score a touchdown, all that has to happen is the ball has to cross the plane. That's yeah. it's like that. Now, if your skates over the plane of the blue line, you're onside where it used to be, it had to be touching, but now because it's over the plane, there's such a big like discrepancy over whether or not it like crosses the line where it was a little easier to tell when it was like, 
you know, you had to have your foot down because then it was a little more black and white. But I mean, yeah, there's bad officiating in every sport, it seems like. Because I, I know basketball yeah. people get mad. There was the LeBron James play this last season where something went crazy with him and he like laid down on the floor for an hour. Um, NHL officiating, sorry, not NHL. NBA officiating is outright just a joke. Yeah. Like, NBA officiating is, it, it, those guys might as well just not even be there as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Let the guys call their own end ones. <laughs> They'll do <laughs> a better job. <laughs> Honestly. Like you know how much how instantaneous flopping would stop. I think you get like NBA officiating and just get rid of it. <laughs> just let them play until they beat it. It's like NBA blitz. Yeah, backyard basketball. Yeah, but I mean, uh, he's had a problem for years. You know, we're we're one step closer now. The Cowboy Joe's been retired. You know, Angel Hernandez. As soon as he's gone, we we're we might actually have some good. Uh, some good balls and strikes called at the very least. It seems like guys are getting more and more consistent with that. Some good balls. They may not necessarily be accurate, but they're at least consistent uh, from what I've noticed, except for Angel Hernandez. Um, and C.B. Buckner, I believe, is gone now as well, too. So with no Joe West, with no C.B. Buckner, all we're, all we're missing is uh, Angel Hernandez for the holy triumvirate of horrible home plate umpires. I just don't understand Angel Hernandez. Like, I saw a clip today. The ball was two feet out of the zone. Strike three. I'm like, like, how do you, how do you be that? I, I saw that. I saw that today. I honestly <laughs> think he does it on purpose. There's right. No way. You almost wonder if he does it on purpose, like just to get people to still talk about it, like. Yeah, to make he, people remember the umpire is part of the game too. Yeah, he's a part of the show, right? Like, <laughs> I I couldn't believe I'm like this guy consistently gets it that wrong. I'm convinced, like, I could put you know us out there and we would call a better game. Like, like the ball is so clearly out of the strike zone, and I, it's harder to see in the game not when it's that far out of the strike. Yeah, zone. like, come on, dude. I don't know, man. I've umpired a couple little league games. I think I can handle it just fine. I do too. You know what? <laughs> I honestly do. I, I'm not saying I'd be this great umpire. I would probably miss the really close ones more than I get them. That's what separates but, a major league. But the, the one, like the, the Angel Hernandez, gets made fun of because it will be this far out of the zone, and he rings a guy up. I'm like, are you kidding? Me? Right. Like, like the average guy, the average baseball fan could be at least as good as Angel Hernandez. And that's not like a good barometer to have. Yes, <laughs> I agree. It's like when a player's batting 150 and somebody says, well, I could hit better than that if I, no, you couldn't shut up. No, you couldn't. No. But like now the pitcher over there who's batting 36, you could probably do that. Yeah, exactly. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, that's a big maybe. 36 hits out of 100 or no that would be 3.6 hits out of 100 i don't know yeah dude. i don't know it's tough i tell you if you've oh, never yeah. faced a 90 mile an hour pitch like it, it gets on you quick yeah i think i think <laughs> you I better faced... pick it up right out of the hand or you're not hitting it yeah i think i faced a kid who touched 90 once and I, he definitely rung my ass up yeah i caught for more than i hit against that's for sure oh yeah <laughs> i believe that yeah it's magic and we had some magic to start the show talking about all this crazy White Sox talk. We worked our way into NFL discussion, got back to baseball, talking balls and strikes and all that jazz. 
Zim, you got any baseball card stuff you want to talk about? So, yeah, I actually did want to mention this and I want to get your guys' opinions about it as people who are, you know, sort of in it, but not really like nearly as heavily as I am. Right. So Panini. uh, Well, let me just let me, let me see if I can find it real quick. What's a Panini? I hey, just Panini, so don't you be a meanie. I want to. So for anybody Panini. who doesn't know the. Major card companies out there. Let me see. Do I have them right here? I know I have at least one of the two. Our major card companies right now are Panini and Tops. Right? Everybody knows Tops. The old classic Tops card right there. That's a George Kirby autograph that's currently on eBay. Go get it, boys. <laughs> and then on the flip side of Tops, you have Panini. And this is just a random Panini card that I have, but you know, you get the general style, slight stylistic differences. Tops has been around forever and ever and ever. Um, well, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, the NFL was slated to become solely distributed by Fanatics, which is the owner of Tops, in three years' time. Excuse me. Today, Panini received a message that said the NFLPA has terminated its trading its trading card contract agreement with Panini. Effective immediately, Fanatics has the exclusive rights to make NFLPA branded trading cards. This decision has no impact on any individual player's contractual agreements with Panini. If you represent any players with an existing Panini agreement, the NFL recommends that you encourage the players to fulfill this contractual commitment to Panini. Effectively, what that means is Panini no longer has the overarching ability to just make any NFL player card they want. They also no longer have permission to put NFL logos on their cards. Wow. Right. So these are now considered unlicensed products. Some of you may be familiar with leaf trading cards. Leaf is considered an un, uh, a, um, unofficial, basically an, a non-branded product. Basically True. they can, they can make agreements with players. They can print cards for these players. They cannot put MLB NFL on there at all, or any logos of any kind. Panini is now on that same boat meaning Tops has the exclusive rights for the NFL. And in addition to this, it also covers NIL. So college players that have signed hmm. NIL deals now would have to sign individual contracts with Panini in order to, um, they would have to sign individual contracts with Panini in order for Panini to print their cards. And again, they would be unlicensed. So no logos or anything on it. For example, I don't actually know if this has, yeah, it, it might be hard to see here on the back. You can see it. I have this Caleb Williams card here and you can see right on there. It says South Carolina or South California, university of South California, USC right on there. Right huge huge for the industry um i've rambled on enough about it i don't know do you guys have any thoughts on this do you even care about it do you do you do, does it intrigue you at all or am i just like 
so deep into this hobby that I've lost touch with like what an average fan cares about. No, it's intriguing, Zim. I think, um, I think for me, it's like, it's, it's thinking like Panini cards in the future. They're going to be like, like when Tim Anderson signs on to do a video game for, I know he did RBI, which is for MLB, but let's say he signed on to do like the version of like MLB, you know, blitz or whatever it was that they had. There's no logos. They're all blacked out. Or it's like when they do a commercial for subway, it's like, they're it's just a black hat that's inked out or for dairy queen. Actually, I think for dairy queen, they're an official sponsor of major league baseball. So they were able to do it, but I think it's going to make those cards. Dare I say tacky ish, you know? I and I think, that's kind of the part that's intriguing to me. Uh, and we did get a great question from PZ in the chat about what about existing Panini card value? I'm assuming those will remain or become more valuable. But what do I you have think, to say about that? I would think they'd probably go up in value, right? Like if you can you no longer so. get a Panini card with a guy's actual jersey on it, like what wouldn't, wouldn't you be interested in having the one that's actually got the guy's jersey on it rather sure. than the one that has, you know, blacked out logos on it? I'm trying to see if I can find one. Um, here, here's a good one. I have these two Oscar Colas cards from Leaf, right? And like I said, Leaf is currently considered an unlicensed product. They do not have the rights, but logos of any kind on there so instead of getting a sick oscar colas card in a Sox mm. jersey i get this yeah, batting boring. practice image on there nobody's really interested in batting practice guys i have a second one same thing batting practice huh. um whereas in here that was the thing yeah i have a tops oscar colas card that has him in a winston salem dash jersey yeah and like it is clearly Winston Salem Dash. It's really, it's honestly, it's one of my favorite cards that I have, even though it's not worth much. Because how long did Oscar Colas even play with the Winston Salem Dash? Like, not long. It's just unique, right? So, but no, that's, that's rate, interesting. Yeah, I, I'm curious to see what happens with Panini cards, particularly some of these college guys, right? A guy like Caleb Williams, a guy like Quinn Ewers, a guy like Arch Manning, who have these deals. And now all of a sudden, these cards become finite. They go from being printed year after year after year after year. Let, let me throw something it. out there real quick, Sim. I'm thinking about it, too. It's like, oh, it, it, it screws up their industry, right? It makes things difficult. What if they flip the switch? What if they totally change what a sports card could be? It becomes more of like a game day fit, right? When guys are walking in, they're wearing their suit, they're wearing their outfits, you know, they're doing their, their posts, they're being funky. They're doing something on social media. Um, what if they, I think what is required here from Panini and I I'm in the marketing game. So that my marketing brain immediately goes off sure. is you have to rebrand. You have to change what the card is, make it more fun, make it more modern, make it more in touch with the youth. And that is how you combat this. I think that would absolutely be a super interesting idea. You know, instead of your draft picks uh, model being, hey, this is this guy's first 
card, you know, that's got his NFL team logo on it. What if your draft picks now becomes, Hey, this is a piece of the suit that he wore on draft night in this card, you know, interesting things like that. Panini already does. And leaf does as well. I think leaf is a little more popular with it than Panini, but they do like celebrity cards, like pop. They call them pop series or something like that. Oh, I've seen them. Yeah. Pop centuries, I believe is what they're called. But it's like, it's like, um, it's just like celebrity autographs. Like you get a Christopher Walken autograph out of it instead of, you know, Joe Burrow or whatever, like to kind of try to appeal to a different audience, you know, the way that like Pokemon cards or like the new Disney Lorcana cards or magic cards appeal to a completely different audience, right? It's the same concept. So I think, I think that might do something, but again, in order to make these deals, they now have to reach out to the individual player in order to make that deal. So to get an entire draft class, I mean, you're talking way more work than they currently have, right? Their current agreement says, Hey, we already have your permission. We just have to agree to whatever royalties, whatever, you know, we want to do with this. We got to make the deal to, you know, you basically just have to agree to what we've already set down. Have you seen the movie air? I have. This feels very much like that. Like you have to find the kids coming out of school. You have to target the kids that you want. Yeah. You know what I mean? It feels very yeah. much like, oh, I have to find the next Michael Jordan, right? I mean, it, it very well could turn into that. It very well could. It could also just mean Panini pivots and instead of being as focused on uh, football as they have been over the last couple of years, they you know they still have, I believe, exclusive rights with the NBA. Um, I know they share rights with the MLB. So maybe they just pivot super hard into that. We start getting some really interesting products on that side of things. I know they have some deals with hockey. It's not quite uh, as overarching as I know Upper Deck and S. I don't know if SP is part of Upper Deck or not, but I do know that you know hockey has deals with some smaller sports card distributors. So as I'll be we're curious this, to see where it goes. As we're talking about this, Zim, I refreshed my Twitter feed, and at the top of my Twitter feed from the collectibles guru says RIP Panini NFL cards, the end of an era um, with, with, a, with a tombstone that, that reads here lies Panini prism optic contenders and all their NFL brands. That's there were some, some really cool stuff came out of Panini over the years. You know, I mean, immaculate mm. is one of their big products over the years. That's where this Caleb William cards that I have card here that I have is from. Um, I have some of my favorite, over the years, you know, this National Treasures card of Liam Hendricks that I've showed off on stream before. I thought you were um, going to say Nicolas Cage, but. No, <laughs> that would be interesting. You know, Donruss. Donruss trading cards are some of the most sought after products um, because they're so attainable for mm. guys like you and me all the way up to big $100,000 collectors. That's going to be gone. And that's like weird, honestly. Yeah. It's really weird. Um, they were also a big sponsor at this year's National Card Collectors Convention uh, in Chicago, where they gave out or sold uh, packs of cards that were exclusive to that convention. Um, that's cool. And yeah, that's a really cool thing. Like you had to go to this in-person event at the convention center in Chicago. Otherwise, you could not get your hands on this product. And now like... I guess you can still do that because like, 
you know, again, the, the, the product was a mix of NBA, NASCAR, NFL, MLB, WWE, all that kind of stuff, you know, um, <laughs> Now it's like all the same, except just no NFL. And like, I feel like NFL is a big driver of stuff like that. Football cards what, are probably more it's, popular than baseball cards these days. It's interesting, man. When you said you, you talked about with me pre-show that we, you had some base, you had some card talk. I, I didn't know it was going to be this. This is really intriguing stuff, man. So thanks for bringing it up. I appreciate it. Yeah. That yeah. Is. I think it's a worthwhile story to follow for most um, sports fans in general just because of the implications that it has on the memorabilia market, the collectible market, you know, it doesn't really matter what you collect or what you like. If you like sports cards, sports memorabilia, you know, even just jerseys, like the fact that fanatics has such an overarching, uh, such an overarching monopoly. It feels like over, you know, MLB store.com or, or NFL shop.com and all that stuff. Across the board, man. It's crazy. That's just it. It's like, is that is that what we're going to start getting with the trading cards now? We're like, I can go on uh, NFLshop.com and say, like, I want a Chicago Bears keyboard and mouse set. And they send me this cheap hunk of plastic with the tiniest transmitter in it possible yep. for $78 just because it's got a Bears logo on it. So real quick, I went to Fanatics website and they have you can buy stuff from the NFL, NCAA, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, MLS soccer in general, NASCAR, WWE, WNBA, golf, and Formula One. Yep. That's wild. That is, that's a lot. It honestly surprises me that they're not infringing on some kind of U.S. monopoly law. It's because of companies like this that that's not the case. You got 47, which is a company that they, they they have their own licensed stuff and they make quality stuff that's not Fanatics affiliated. You got team, you got companies like New Era, which makes the hat that I'm wearing on my head right now, uh, the official Major League Baseball cap. So I think it's because of other companies. But again, being the exclusive online vendor doesn't mean you're the exclusive vendor, but it certainly feels like it. I'm worried about when Fanatics takes over in hockey. Yeah. They've taken over. They've taken over fan merch. They're going to start wearing Fanatics branded jerseys on the ice in two seasons, I think. And they're going to be the first sports league in the U.S. to wear the product on the playing surface in games that count. Every other team just has merch branded through Fanatics. But like baseball jerseys are made by Nike, so are the NFL. NBAs are made by Adidas, I believe. Um, and the NHL is Adidas as well, but it's going to be Fanatics in a couple years, and we'll see. It's going to be an interesting voyage. But I miss uh, the days when, uh, when teams had their own deals. You know, like in yeah. college, they still do. Yep. You know, like – you know, I, I know the Blackhawks rode with Reebok for a long time, and it, it led to all sorts of interesting collaborations and ideas. Um, the Bulls rolled with Champion for quite some time. That was kind of cool, um, especially because like Champion wasn't the brand that it is today. You know, it was it was the the Walmart brand, so to say. Yeah, it was popular. <laughs> then it became the Walmart brand. Now it's popular again, right? Yeah, yeah, and just like. 
it was cool to be like, yeah, I, I wear the same brand that the stars do, but it only cost me six bucks. <laughs> yeah. Zim, you know what so. all this kind of reminds me of too? You know how Barstool Sports sells merch? They mm-hmm. sell yeah. like they sell like merch with like players likeness and stuff, but they don't have license deals for like logos and stuff. So if they made a let's say they made like a devil's shirt and it had Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer on it doing their famous hug or whatever, they would just be their likeness in their face. But the jersey would just be a red jersey with black stripes and like there'd be no logo on it. That's that's what came to mind when I thought about this or like they would they would do stuff with the Bruins too and they would just like instead of the spoked B it would be a spoked barstool logo like I wonder if Panini would entertain doing something like that if they found like total legality with doing something like that yeah I don't know uh it'll be interesting you know this isn't we we have seen stuff like this before sort of nothing quite to this extent though you know we Back in the day, you know, you had Pokemon going from Wizards of the Coast to their own private uh, uh, manufacturer. Um, you know, Wizards of the Coast is still a huge company. They they still produce magic cards to this day. Uh, they produce a few other trading card games, but that's primarily what they're known for, as well as some D&D materials. Um, and it's just that's that's the last time I can think of something this major like shifting an entire market. And, you know, if, if that has anything um, to guide us with, it's that those old Wizards of the Coast cards, that they, they, for a few years, were significantly better than the Pokemon stuff until they, you know, kind of figured out their QA processes and everything. Um, but in addition to that, nowadays... People are a lot more interested in the last Wizards of the Coast set than they are in the first Pokemon set, so to say. Mm. You know, it's it's wild what that kind of changeover will do. And it makes me wonder what this 2022, I guess, 2022 release year for NFL cards will end up uh, doing in value. We're going to find out, man. Interesting stuff. Appreciate it, Zim. Uh, I love the conversation. And I actually had a pretty interesting pull myself. I I think if you remember when I was in New York, I bought that box for like eight packs and whatever. And I ripped it. And uh, I showed you this, but I pulled a Jacob deGrom All Aces card, which I finally have in a sleeve and in a little thing. The back's pretty cool. I believe Some I looked of my it up. favorite I- inserts. Yeah. I, I honestly, I love those cards. They're my favorite ones to pull, even though like most of the ones you get from that little insert set are like two, $3 cards at best. And that one is not, that is quite one of the nicest ones in it. Yeah. This is um, like a $30 card according to what I looked up ungraded. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're just, they're, they're different. They're interesting. It's, it's not your typical sports card. I like those ones. Uh, in, in white Sox land, I got a, uh, a Davis Martin rookie card. <laughs> yeah, you hang on to that. Just let me know what that does for you over the years. Don't put it in the bike spokes. <laughs> this isn't worth anything, but it's Dylan Cease. It's kind of cool. Yeah. I got me a Dylan Cease uh, signed rookie card over the offseason, expecting big things from him this year, and uh, pretty sure that's lost value. <laughs> for seven seconds on the meds, this will be a fun one. I have a Max Scherzer. <laughs> yes. Those are fun. 
Yeah, like I said, they they print they're printing the first Jake Berger Miami Marlins card, and I uh, will likely be trying to get my hands on that. It's not a particularly expensive card, so I can't wait. Just want it because it's his first one in a in a Marlins uniform. You can't even see his face. It's funny. He's he's got his helmet on, and he's mid swing, so his head's down like this. You you can't even (laughs) you can't even tell it's him if you don't know. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait for you to have it specifically. You deserve it. Uh, I'll probably buy a couple and maybe ship a couple off to him if I can. Yeah. These throwback cards are really sweet. Like these they old are. school. That's like what this that, is Sandy uh, Alcantara. It's not expensive or anything. It's a cheap card, but still yeah, that George cool. Kirby I was showing you. Yeah, it's exactly. That same print run, the 1988 throwback style. Super, super cool stuff. I mean, they're. They're fun to collect, and the value is just an added bonus to that to me. I, got I mean, one it helps cool, subsidize some of it. I got one <laughs> cool color card, Zim. Like, it's not a player that's of any note. It's Joe Barlow, but uh, I like how I got a little bit of the blue border on this one. Yeah, for the, I've, it's kind of cool. I've got a couple of those for like random, like Royals players and stuff like that. I think I've got one Salvi Perez like that. Vinny, friend of friend of the friend of Crosstown, Gavin Sheets. Love Gavin. Oh man, I've got more of his autographs than I know what to do with. He no, you know who I... This guy's killing the White Sox. You know whose autographs I have way too many of. I've got about ten Eloy Jimenez autographs that I'm just like, what do I do with all of these? Every I time guess. I ask somebody if they've got White Sox stuff, they're like, Yeah, I, I got this Eloy Jimenez autograph you wanted. I'm like, not really, but <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember on the show a couple weeks ago, Zim was warning me about these patch things and how you're going to get like a terrible, stupid patch. And I got one. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I got one too. It's Christian Yelich. Yeah. But Zim, I did get one of these uh, home run prediction, predict the home run challenge. Yeah. Win uh, a parallel card. And I got Byron Buxton who is currently injured but is due back in September. I picked his first series against the White Sox on a weekend for him to hit a home run over over 425 feet. So nice. I think that's a good choice. I will be rooting for him that weekend for sure. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, he's out now, but I'm like, of course he's going to homer against the White Sox. Yeah, it's perfect. Poetic justice. Or he'll be in an exclusive parallel then. card. And, and yeah. those cards can... Be worth something. It's kind of cool because like there, you don't know how many of them there will be because of stuff like that. Yeah. But nonetheless, fun talk. We ran, we ran the gamut on topics tonight. Vin, you got anything you want to talk about and bring up before we dip? Yeah. Um, a recent DM I got. Uh Oh, the socks aren't moving. They aren't. They're not going to move. Okay. Well, of course they're not. I mean, I I don't think anyone really thought it, but the report came out and it's conversation started. I was worried. So for an hour. For anybody who's listened this far into the show, go ahead and go back and fast forward through the first twenty-ish minutes or so, and then keep listening. <laughs> no it's fun, it's fun conversation. Regardless, you should listen to it because even if that ends up being wrong, um. Do do not 
underestimate how mad I would be if that ended up being the case. Because, like, of course, anything could happen. Like, just because I say something is not going to happen doesn't mean for sure it's not. But, like, as of right now, I'm feeling a little better than I was an hour Anything ago. you can say on air, Vin, or just strictly uh, um, off maybe, the record? Maybe next week. All right. That's fine. I want to ask because I want to be courteous of giving your uh, – that's what a good show. That's what a good show host does. Yeah. Now, Vin, go ahead. Just spill all the beans on air. Screw your sources. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't matter. While forget, you're at it, forget uh, about your career. You just tell us right too. now. Yeah, I don't care if you get exposed. <laughs> I don't care if that guy never tells you anything ever again. Can you try on that hoodie I sent to your house? I really want to see you put it on. <laughs> oh, going off the rails, but. Uh... <laughs> Nonetheless. Oh my I'm, god. It's so you know it's funny. This season's so much better, even though the team stinks. It's it's just it's true. Oh, our viewer accounts are through the roof. I mean, we had over two thousand people watching us on Twitter today. So thank you everyone that tuned in. We're all interested in tweeting out the show now. Yes. And we got some new I mean Matthew Lucas is a new new uh New chat member, new viewer. So, Matthew, thanks for tuning in and being uh, active in the chat. If you're still with us here, we, we appreciate you very much. Um, also, Vinny and I are going to be at the Sox game this upcoming Saturday for Dylan C's Bobblehead Night. Come say hi. Come eat a hot dog. Come watch, check out Vinny's sweet bucket hat I'm bringing for him, which I got to make sure I have it out so I remember to bring it. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be no Bucky. So I can put it on and wear it for the game. Oh, Bucky. When I, are you guys uh, getting in line? Because I know you're tailgating. Are you going to get... There's only 15,000 bobbles. Yeah, I'm going to try and get a bobblehead, I think. I'm going to gauge the crowd, too. So It's only 15,000, and it's for those 21 and up because it's sponsored by Binnie's. Oh, so I think I'm going to get one, right? Like... There's no way that there's more than 15,000 fans going to that game that are over the age of 21. White Sox A's? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Because like people, I've seen people show out to the stadium for giveaways. Yeah. You know, the only thing people love more than they hate the White Sox is free stuff. Especially something cool. Yeah, uh, that's pretty- Joe, is it true George Lucas has a stake in the White Sox? Like the George Lucas? Yeah. I doubt it, but I mean, where's this? I honestly wouldn't be surprised if that's how they get away with all their Star Wars stuff that they do. Well, they do Star Wars stuff freaking all the time. September 3rd, by the way, Mandalorian bobblehead giveaway. And of course, on Saturday, the Sweet Binnie's. Dylan Cease, Bobble, the stash and all. I like the throwback uniform on it, too. Where's this George Lucas thing coming from, Vin? Where, where, where's that popping up? Um, Never mind, you probably can't tell me. So his wife, Melody Hobson, is a businesswoman, and she's from Chicago. And I'm trying – she has something to do with Starbucks. Um – Apparently, she has a stake in the White Sox. I'm seeing this report from May of 2021. The White Sox reportedly have a new mystery owner. According to a source, ties at the club, 30% of the team 
has been sold. Really makes you think. I mean, if Jerry's slowly been liquidating the team over the last several years, like, and he's just a majority owner at this point, and that's why he gets all the say so. It wouldn't be hard for him to just like offload another, depending on how much he needs to offload, like another 10%, another 20%. If that report's accurate and he's already sold that 30%, like he could potentially sell another 30%. And then right there, he's already no longer the majority. Yeah. So apparently she owns the Broncos and owner of the Broncos. She's very good friends with Barack Obama and she's the chair of Starbucks. So George Lucas's wife. Yeah. Talk about a powerhouse couple. My yeah, God. really? Okay. So what if Mr. Lucas buys the White Sox and um, he's got that Disney money now. He runs it business wise. He's got that Disney money. I would sign up for it in a heartbeat. My inner Star Wars nerd would probably my my heart would explode. Probably. Wouldn't that be what? just. Vinny Parisi, Joe Manelzim, are you a medium Star Wars fan or do you not like it at all? Like, I think it's cool, but like, I have no staying interest in it. Okay, like, for the sure. concept intrigues me, but like, not enough to actually sit down and watch it. Understood, but you're <laughs> not you're not a hater by any means. No, no, no. Okay, I Star Wars haters. They're less than twenty four hours, Jim, or less than twenty four hours, Vin. I know, I know. So nine nine p.m. Eastern premiere tomorrow night. So hell yeah. Two episode premiere. I'm I'm excited. I'm very excited. It's gonna be sick. Hell yeah! But that's interesting, Vin. I did not know that. So well, I learned a new nugget today. Yeah. Um, Again, yeah. think about oh. the fan experience with all that. These are people who know how to entertain. Somebody who's on the board with Starbucks. Yeah, that's somebody who knows how to how to create service as well. Starbucks husband is one of the most well known creators of entertainment in the history of the world. Already involved in sports, your Denver I, Broncos. Um, Joe, don't be surprised. Zim, guys, don't be surprised. Partially, uh, also, partially, potentially a conflict of interest in terms of our one of White Sox's biggest sponsors is Duncan. So, <laughs> not for long, <laughs> we're gonna be drinking Starbies at the rate. Starbies and Arby's, nobody's gonna do that. No, like, no, you know, it's funny. The napkins have Dunkin' Donuts on it, but I can't think of a way to get Dunkin' Donuts coffee at Guaranteed Rayfield. I've never gone. I've never asked anybody. So that's the thing. No, you probably know. So that's the thing. And it's bonkers to me. They're one of the biggest sponsors. They sponsor one of the races, like the donut race on the screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have the napkins throughout the park. Yeah. But there's not a single stand That's in right. the park that provides Dunkin' coffee. Yeah. My wife and I talk about it every year. We're like, I wish I could go and get an iced coffee in the ballpark. There's yeah. not an option. When it's hot as shit and you're not feeling like drinking, like alcohol, and you want an ice, I'm sure that iced coffee line would be through the roof. And then I've been to games in September and April where I'm like, let me get a hot yeah. coffee. Or a but, frappuccino, you know? Yeah, who do you or, root for? Know. Who do you root for in the donut coffee bagel race on the Jumbotron? Oh, I got to go Biggie Bagel every time. Hell yeah, me too. Let's go. Fucking Let's go. Bagel. Let's, I, I love a Dunkin' Bagel. A plain bagel with cream cheese. Oh, I got to go everything bagel for me, man. 
See, me too from a lot of places. For some reason, Duncan, I like the plain bagel. They have the best plain bagel. Great American bagel. Um, what's the other big one around here? Einstein bagel. All those ones, I'll do the special kind. Panera, I'll do a special kind of bagel. Duncan, got to go plain. Like literally for breakfast today, Vin, I made my own like bagel and locks at home with an everything. It Hell was yeah. legit. Hell yeah. Send me a picture of that next time you do it. Uh, it's my... I, I can send you a picture of it, but it's going to look a little different. <laughs> That's the worst joke I've ever made on this show. I'm the, sorry, guys. The fact that I understand it is even worse on my part. <laughs> but uh, yeah, next time I will. I, spoiler alert, if you ever go to Aldi, you can get like, a nice container of smoked salmon for like three bucks. It's legit. Hell yeah, cool. And I had a really legit bagel and locks when I went to to New York. With like Zucker's bagels. Oh my God. So good. That's amazing. Did you have, hour. A, did you have a, a rainbow bagel while you were there? I did not. They're good. They don't taste any different. They're just good. You, you know why they're, <laughs> uh, you know, like you could just tell the rainbow bagels, like the quality of them. Cause it's a New York bagel. It's just like it's different than anything you've ever had. So like because it's so fresh, like, yeah, it's appealing because it's colorful. But like a rainbow bagel also means it's a New York bagel, which means it's fluffy and warm and delicious. Warm and delicious, just like this television show. Hell yeah. (laughs) Heck of a show tonight, boys. We had a lot of fun. Thanks to everybody in the chat. We ran the gamut. We talked White Sox, potential being sold potential moving we talked about the internal conversations about interviews with the white Sox, about you know changes in the front office and at the managerial position we jumped over to the nfl we talked about stefan diggs potentially wanting out of buffalo we talked about jonathan taylor being granted permission to grant to, to request a trade from the indianapolis colts we talked about collector baseball or nfl cards from panini and baseball cards and bagels <laughs> and random stuff that I can't else remember, but heck of a show tonight, guys. Anybody else got anything you want to touch on? Otherwise, we can we can call the we can wrap this one up. I do want to quickly point out that is it next week? No, I'm sorry, not next week, but the following on Labor Day. There will be no South Burbs Hitmen on Labor Day, but in its place, you will see the Ballroom Network Fantasy Draft live on this network in this spot going to be fun but gentlemen anything else yeah tune in to bar down on wednesday plenty of hockey coming up teams are starting to build their ice so let's go the ice is being built in all 32 rinks um anaheim was the first one to put a picture of it so i set it as my phone background and i'm leaving it that way because they were the first let's go there you go baby you're gross anaheim dude the ducks, man, they're gonna be good. Quack, in short order. Quack, quack, quack. That's quack, like me sitting quack. here and saying, like, dude, the Astros, you know, they're gonna be good. Gordon but, Bombay, yeah, but, but screw them. Like, <laughs> <laughs> all right, Zim, I'll, I'll I'll channel my inner Colorado and find a way to hate Anaheim internally. Dude, I have never liked Anaheim. All those all those battles they had with the Blackhawks as soon, like as soon as the Blackhawks went from the east to the west, like Anaheim became the new Red Wings to me, man. Yeah, the, the battles that they had year after year after year. Yeah. Uh, so we had my brother here in Wisconsin over the weekend, and we were talking about hockey for a little bit. 
and we were literally saying like the three California teams in the Blackhawks were the four best teams in the Western Conference for like a good decade there. And so, yeah, I understand the disdain. Uh, the Devils yeah. beat the Devils Vancouver. beat the Ducks. Now Vancouver was really good for a long time too. The, the Devils beat wins? the Ducks in the 03 Cup final though, so. I always have that over Anaheim. The Devils beat them in game seven. So it doesn't Yeah, matter. well, I'm pretty sure the Blackhawks are the reason that the Ducks never won a Stanley Cup during their run. Yeah. Because those teams were, were good. They were good with They Perry were like the only team that ever scared me in the in the uh, playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. They were really good for a long time. But and then Vin, we're still doing crosstown on Thursday, right? We are doing crosstown crosstalk on Thursday. I don't know if it's gonna be who what team we're going to zoom in on because we always seem to zoom in on a different team every week but uh, maybe we'll do the Rockies my guy bailed on me tonight we got another guy in the works so I do want to talk some Rockies I'm interested so well either way we're going to have fun we'll figure out a time but uh, it's coming your way on Thursday you got Greg Gabriel Gabriel talking football coming up this week you got Dan and Aldo I believe tomorrow night bear their souls got Mac and Reed coming up this week more than you can shake a stick at. So it's going to be a great week on the Barroom Network. Make sure you mash that subscribe button and subscribe anywhere you can find podcasts. But, guys, we're going to wrap things up and get out of here. Let's do quick shout-outs. Zim, we'll start things off with you, amigo. Guys, football season is underway. We are two-thirds of the way through the preseason for the NFL. College football starts this Saturday. This Saturday, we have – Real live games that matter on our televisions. In person for some people, honestly. Good for you if you guys manage to get out to a game. Notre Dame, that's got to be quite a drive for you now, Joe, right? It's not. I'm real close to Notre Dame. That's you why are close? Oh, are you? Cool. I've inherited ah. fandom because it's the closest college I've ever lived to. I'm, I'm about Dude. 25 minutes out of South Bend. Wow. I was a diehard Notre Dame fan during the Brady Quinn years. And when he fizzled out in the NFL, I was like, I'm never rooting for a college sports team again. <laughs> and then and then a friend of mine went to Stanford. So I became a very big Andrew Luck and Stanford Cardinal advocate. Very so cool. I was I was actually so ignorant to college sports that when I became a Stanford fan, I had no idea that John Elway went there because like he didn't exist before the NFL in my brain. <laughs> And when I found that out, I was like, oh, man, that's damn. <laughs> <laughs> I still root for Stanford here and there, which is really like taboo living in uh, living in Colorado because CU uh, is in the Pac-12 with them or maybe was in the Pac-12 with them. I don't know how this reshuffle all happened, but regardless, point stands. We have NCAA football games that matter that will affect teams top 25 AP poll rankings. This Saturday. Love it. It's going to be awesome. Northwestern has its first game without Pat Fitzgerald, which everybody thought Pat Fitzgerald was going to take that job to the grave. And he kind of paternoed himself a little bit. So what are you going to do? It kind of sucks, but. um, Is that that Zim's shout out? (laughs) I, I just wanted to throw that out there. It's a big shout out to all the football fans out there. Congratulations. You made it through another off season. We're here. It's time. You only got three weeks until NFL starts. You only got five days until NCAA starts. Like, 
Fantasy draft season, baby. For their fantasy draft season. I got two drafts at the exact same time. I won't be on our broadcast because of that. Uh, I just, it's too much to juggle all at once. So I got the number one overall pick in the barroom league this year. Thank you, Joe, for that. That is, I hate having the number one overall pick. I I despise it. Sorry. (laughs) Hey, it is what it is. I was honestly, thank the machine. I was hoping for the end of the first round, like pick 11 or 12. We're, we're running a 12-man league this year. I was hoping for like 11 or 12 because I like those two picks stacked side by side. Uh, you still get it with the number one overall pick, but I got a lot longer to wait until my second pick now. And that's sure what sucks. Do. I'm not, I don't think I'm going to be able to stack my team as well as I did last year. A lot of thinking to do on that number one overall pick. I know Justin Jefferson should be the slam dunk automatic choice, but... I've had just or I've had Jamar Chase every year he's been in the NFL so far. That's worked out really well for me. And it could be the Tyreek's year too, you know. Don't, don't, don't. I'm I like Tyreek Hill. I had both of them on my team last year. I I was in heaven having both of them on my team. It was amazing. It's not gonna happen again this year. I'm already struggling to deal with it. Now I'm gonna have to risk being a total doofus and making Jamar chase the number one overall pick in our draft. I don't know who has number two overall, but they might want to listen to this episode of South Burbs Hitman because <laughs> I may have just given up some of my draft strategy. There you go, baby guys. Shout out to you for making this show so much fun. Everybody in the chat for somehow helping us find enough content to go for nearly two hours, even though the, the white Sox absolutely suck. I don't think we talked about anything that actually happened on the field. Um, Foster, yes, we can do a four-man league. Uh, I will discuss with you the details if you genuinely want to do a four-man league with you, me, Joe, Vinny. I have well, an idea. And, and Foster, I actually have uh, reach out to John Santucci, the Tooch. We're doing the guillotine league. Vinny's in it. Vinny's in it. We got it's 18 guys every week of the season. You set a lineup and then the team that get the lowest score gets cut out and then you pick up the players off waivers bidding on them every single week, every week throughout the season. It's pandemonium. It's fun. Maybe Tooch has an open spot. I don't know if he does or not, but uh, if you want to get in on that, the Tooch might be able to hook you up or I could put in a good word for you. Or fuck you that. It. We're kicking out Vinny. Forget it, Vinny. You're out. Vinny won. He's not allowed to. Nah, that, he, that's he, that's the final guillotine, year. right? I won. I haven't the been win- chopped since week 10 of the 2021 season. But if you won last year, shouldn't that be like the final chop? You're no longer eligible for the next year. I am a little nerd. Like when I get chopped, cause there's no way I like maybe, but like I would be stunned when I get chopped. I'll probably cry. I did this year because my team was way better than I got credit for, but you know, <laughs> Such is life. That's how it goes. Joe, no, you got fun... chopped. You got chopped in the most bullshit way, and I ended up winning the whole damn thing because of it. I edged Joe out because Tom Brady gave a pitch. I had Mike Evans, I think, or no, I had Godwin. He made a Godwin. pitch. He made a pitch to the running back who ran it. And it was the final play of the game when there was like zero seconds, and they play. Uh, they play freaking rugby at the end on the final play, and he pitched it to Godwin, who picked up like two yards. And then got tackled, and I got, I beat, I edged Joe out by zero point two or something. He and not only chopped. that, it was, it was a stat correction overnight. Yeah, he gets chopped. 
I get a near-death experience, which is what they give to the person who comes in second to last, and I end up going on to win the whole thing from there. <laughs> that was comedy. Insane. Oh, brother. Great stuff, guys. Zim, do you have anything else? Is that your shout-out? I don't know. I guess that's a shout-out. It was the worst shout-out in the history of shout-outs, but... It wasn't the worst. It might be the longest, but it was good. <laughs> I can go longer. I, I don't I, know if anybody else remembers before we were barroom network. Uh, we had somebody on here that used to give the world's longest shout out section. We can drag I this knew on you were about. To, I knew you were going to go there. That's so funny. <laughs> How could you say that and I not go there, man? The guy talks like somebody's listening, and Zim, just. Zim. <laughs> Zim also shouts out his family because he loves them very much. Could have had an yeah, ASMR podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Vincenzo, what about your shout-out? Do a three-person show by himself. Literally. So my shout-out is Katie, always my girlfriend. I love you, and I have a great life because of you. Um, I also will give a special shout-out to college football as well. I'm going to join in on Zim's conversation there. I am so pumped. I can't wait. Um, speaking of Katie, her family's a huge Notre Dame fan. Um, she comes from you know, Irish culture too. So it's just kind of like fitting from the whole thing, like a local team that's just called the fighting Irish. I love it. Um, I was not a Notre Dame fan before meeting her. I'm kind of a bandwagoner trying to fit in, but I do appreciate Notre Dame football. I grew up in a family that didn't care about college football. So I had to kind of, you know, find my way if I was going to be interested in the sport. I kind of had to like figure it out on my own, who I was going to like and cheer for. And I don't have one team that I like die on a hill for. Um, like I do in baseball, hockey and the NFL, but, um, you know, I just enjoy it kind of as a whole. And I kind of wish I was like that for baseball because in baseball, not every team has a fair chance. You could have a bad owner who screws you every year, um, where the other two leagues I like have salary caps. So any team could be good in every, any given year, but in college football, I've had season tickets to Northern Illinois for, I think we're going on our 10th season now. And so, you know, that's D1 football. It's not power five, but it's D1 football. They played it in Orange Bowl in my tenure of being a fan. Um, you know, been top 15 twice in my life. So that was those were cool years. Um, and then I've had everybody thinks I'm an asshole for this, but I've had a love for the SEC my whole life of being a college football fan. And I know that's like the douche conference where everybody's good. And you know, that's the powerhouse conference that everybody hates, but I went to the sec title game a couple of years back and I've been a diehard sec guy ever since. It doesn't matter what team, you know, like, you know, I like Alabama. I like Auburn. I like LSU. I, I root for them all. And then whoever comes out of the conference is who I root for in the playoff. So I can't wait for college football. We're going to have some some really, really good times this upcoming fall. So Katie and college football, my two favorite things right now. And you guys, of course. Shout out to you guys. You guys are great. You guys are great. I love you guys. And, yeah, I'm, uh, I've kind of inherited Notre Dame. My wife's family's big fans. I never had a college team growing up, so I'm excited to watch college football season, kind of closer to Notre Dameville, closer to South Bend. I love me some South Bend. Shout out to my beautiful wife, Catherine. I love you very much. Our daughter, Audrey, you are the sweetest little thing in the world. Uh, my great Dane Maverick, who is just a ham, and I love him. He's crazy insane. Uh, you too. I love you guys. Love doing this show with you. Love talking sports with you. Love texting you guys random shit over the course of the day. Uh, most of it pretty crazy, but hey, it's fun. 
uh, the, the chat room tonight. Special shout out to Foster. Uh, shout, we, we, we all had a blast on the Bears Country podcast last Thursday. If you guys missed it, go and check it out. Uh, we opened the show. We hijacked their network from them. Some of us stuck around for the whole thing. Well, I would have been back, uh, but, you know, life happened. <laughs> I'm going to ask Foster about going back this Thursday to make up for it. Well, there you go. Foster Foster said he wants us back, so maybe maybe we'll be back. I don't know. It's fun stuff. Either way, we'll be back on their show at some point. Great show. Go check them out. Bears Country Podcast. Fun stuff. Shout out to the barkeeper, Mr. Aldo Gandia. Continuing his recovery, doing well. Love you, Aldo. Thanks for giving us this platform, letting us do the show. I also want to give a shout out to Mr. Mike North for having the faith in me to take over uh, as producer on Somebody Big Just Died. We did a show for William Friedkin last week. So that was fun to do. I love working with Mike. Uh, it's one of my honors of my career to work with him, Chicago radio legend. Uh, and there may be more coming up. There's some big names in the news, people that are not doing well, potentially president, former president Jimmy Carter coming up here. Um, again, I'm not saying he's going to pass, but you know, 98 years old, God bless him. Comments in the chat here, Vinny. Foster says, I think that will work. We'll see what happens. Shout out to Aldo, the pod father. But uh, that's pretty much it for my shout outs. Of course, everyone in the chat room, besides Foster too, I mean, including Foster, we got PZ. Uh, like I said, we had new chat room member, Matthew Lucas. Appreciate you. We had Sugar Nut. So, uh, yeah, fun stuff. I and, want a one word answer from each of you on this before we kill it. The White Sox are now 49 and 76. What will they hit first? 80 losses or 50 wins? 49 and 76. They'll hit 80 losses first. Ooh, you think they're going to lose their next four before they win one? Yep. The Oakland A's are better than us. The Seattle Mariners are better than us. There you go. All right. And we just lost, by the way, 14 to 2. Yeah, that made it 49 and 76. All right. So, are you, are you lying? Been, so Joe's saying Joe's saying no. Zim saying yes. I got Zim to be positive about the White Sox. Let's go. We'll the find White out Sox next are week. Surprisingly not terrible at home. So they're not good, but they're not they terrible. They were tonight. And all of these games are at home. So I'm holding out some hope. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, if I had to guess, and I'm being truthful, I could see the White Sox being 49 and 79. And then that game that Joe and I are going to, it's all going to come down to that. Whether or not that happens, they'll lose the opener to the A's after being swept by the M's. And then we'll see. We'll see That'd what happens. Funny. Just kind of feels like everybody's given up with the scores that we're seeing lately. Yeah. I feel and better once I have a hot dog and a beer in my hand on Saturday. Me too. And you know, the the Mariners that have now won, I think it's eight in a row or seven in a row. And there are a couple of games out of first place in their division, let alone a wild card spot, which seemed bleak a couple of weeks ago. So 15 games over 500 for them. There you go. 
And with that note, hell of a show. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in for the South Burb Sitman. I'm Joe Mandel in the dark. I'm Joe Mandel in the dark. Death Star is Steven Zim Zimmerman. And in the woods somewhere in Wisconsin is Vinnie Parisi. As always, thank you for tuning in. And no matter what, at the end of the day, as always, let's go White Sox.